welcome to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Who's excited about the Bible? Yes? Man, awesome. Very good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are, if you're just joining us for the first time uh, today, we're in a series that we are calling Inspire. And uh, kind of the big idea of the series is this, that God wants every one of us to not just live life and get through life, uh, but he actually wants us to live inspired. Amen? He, he wants us to live with this uh, excitement, with a, a zest of life, with purpose in our lives, that we're not just floating through life, but we live life with some inspiration. And uh, when we are talking about living inspired, we're not just talking about kind of listening to your favorite, um, you know, workout playlist on Spotify that gets you hyped up. Uh, we're not just talking about, um, you know, a motivational uh, speech on YouTube just to encourage you. We're not actually talking about external inspiration. We're actually talking about experiencing an internal inspiration through the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the very word inspire in the original language means to be in, or the original word is inspire or in the Spirit. And so to live a life that is inspired, we must be in the Spirit, or what uh, the way the Scripture often says it, filled with the Spirit. Now, some of you may hear that and think, that's weird, a Spirit living in me. Well, let me just help you to understand the Holy Spirit again. Um, the, the word that the Bible uses for Spirit is actually the same word that is translated breath or wind. How many of you know it's not weird to have breath in a body? It's weird to not have breath in a body, right? And so when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we're talking about having the, a, a fresh wind of, of God in our sails, living uh, the life that Jesus has called us to live, not under our own strength and not out of perspiration or obligation, but living out of inspiration. Amen? And one of the, the most important aspects that, that really we're focusing on if we are living an inspired, spirit-filled life is what the Apostle Paul calls the manifestations of the Spirit, or what we often call spiritual gifts. So if the, the Holy Spirit is like wind, how many of you know you cannot see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind? The same is true of the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot see the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does manifest in certain ways, and specifically through spiritual gifts. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This is kind of our key text for this series. He says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. He, he's not just talking to men. He's actually using that to speak to those who are followers of Jesus. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, here we are 2,000 years later, and the reality is that many people that are brethren, many people that are followers of Jesus today, uh, do not understand the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And oftentimes when we think about the work of the Holy Spirit, we may think of uh, something that is weird, something that is kind of bizarre. And uh, we've said this before, that there are some times where there are abuses of these gifts of the Spirit. Um, and, and so oftentimes people see abuses of these things, which that's what Paul was addressing in the book of First uh, Corinthians. The church in Corinth had heard this message on spiritual gifts, and they were like, yes, we'll have it. Let's do it all at once, okay? Let's all, everybody speak in tongues, everybody prophesy. It was just like crazy for Jesus, okay? And, and so Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, notice he doesn't say, stop doing it. He says, I don't want you to stop. I just don't want you to be ignorant. And, you know, the root of the word ignorant is the word ignore. And in this passage, we really see two kind of opposite but equal errors that we as followers of Jesus often fall into when it comes to spiritual gifts. On the one side is the abuse, where it's just about me kind of having a spiritual experience, me just kind of, you know, going wild for Jesus. And that's one abuse. But the other side is when we ignore the gifts of the Spirit. And I would say that for most of us in this room today, the error that we probably have the, the bend towards is probably not this error over here, right? Like I didn't see, uh, when I was greeting people as you were coming in today, nobody was greeting me speaking in tongues, okay? Right? So the error that we probably fall into is not the overuse of the gifts, it's probably the ignorance and ignoring of the gifts. And I, I want you to understand that if we are going to fulfill the mission that God has for us, we cannot do it in our own strength. If we're going to do what God's called us to do as a church, to see a, a Jesus movement through our lives, to live the Jesus life together, we can't do it in our own strength. We need these spiritual gifts. The Apostle Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He, he's speaking to a church or a group of churches and he says, each one of you has been given a gift. You may hear the word spirit, the phrase spiritual gifts and you may think, well, that's not really me. I'm more of an intellectual person or I'm more of a practical person, but I want you to understand that every single one of us has been given gifts. You have a gift residing in you when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Jesus, there is a divine deposit on the inside of you. The Bible says this, that you've been given a new nature, and so each one of us has a gift. Who in here has a gift? Everybody has a gift, right? You all have gifts. And so our purpose in this series is that we would discover our gifts and then deploy the gifts. But listen to what he says. As each one has received a gift, what's the next thing he says? Minister it to one another. Notice he doesn't say, as you have a gift, just be excited about having a gift. He doesn't say just, you know, you just have a gift and you just kind of keep it to yourself and you just kind of go around saying, I have this gift. He, he says that you are to use it, you are to minister 
out of your gift. Now, I know some of us and perhaps many of us in here, when you hear that word minister, you think of somebody else. But I want you to understand that when God saves you, he doesn't just save you, he saves you and calls you. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you've been called to ministry. That word ministry just means serving. You've been called to ministry. Every single one of us, you may not, you may not stand in front of crowds of people. You, you may not do it in the same way that someone else does it. But every one of you is called to minister and to be in ministry. I'll tell you this, that you know, I, I said a few weeks ago that as we are the body of Christ, the enemy is always wanting to dismember the body, right? He, he will try to cut you off from the body of Christ so that you will not experience what God has for you. But if he cannot get you to be dismembered, he will settle for you to just be dysfunctional. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you slept on your arm? And it's like... I woke up probably a few weeks ago, and both of my arms were like that, and I was like, I don't, you know, normally I try to, I don't, I've never said this before, but normally I like hang my arm off the bed. Does anybody have a good strategy to get rid of that? I hang my arms off the bed. I figure the blood gets in there. When both arms, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just, you know, I'm stuck here. God forbid somebody break into the house in the night. I'm just, you know, dysfunctional. And, you know, if the, if the enemy cannot dismember the body of Christ, he will be satisfied to get members or parts of the body to just be asleep, to just be dysfunctional. And, and oftentimes when we think about our spiritual life, we kind of think about our feeling. But I, I want you to understand that our health is not about our feeling, it's about our function. You can, have, you can have lost function, perhaps uh, there, someone could have a, a blockage in their heart or some challenge in their body that they don't even know about, they don't even yet feel it, but they have already lost the function of it. In fact, a chiropractor told me one time that by the time you feel the, the lack of alignment in your body, he said you've already lost 60% of function. What, what's the, the idea that he's communicating is that your health is not about a feeling, it is about a function. And you can come to church and you can get all the feels, and that is great, but at the end of the day, your maturity or your spiritual health is not about how you feel, but it is about how you function. God's called every one of us. He's given us a gift and he's called us to ministry. Notice what he says when he goes on, minister it to, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to, who, who are we to minister it to? One another. It's not just about, I've got a gift, so I'm just going to minister it to myself. I'm just going to get prophetic with myself. I'm just going to encourage myself. I'm just going to preach to myself. That's not what it's about. It, it, oftentimes people recognize the gift and they just think it's about me. Or the other error is sometimes they recognize the gift and they have this big dream, big vision, 
sense of God's called me to the world. I'm the prophet to the nations, right? And sometimes people have these big, grandiose, out there ideas. I'm called to the nations, but I've not actually, I don't even know my neighbors. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm going to go change the world preaching the gospel, but I'm not even, I'm not even going to lead a connect group, right? I'm not even going to step out. And so God has called us not just to keep it to ourselves, but oftentimes people make the error of thinking somewhere out there, there is a ministry. And I believe God may give you a ministry somewhere out there, but I believe that the place, and according to the word of God, the place that the ministry is to flow out of is out of this place, out of us. The, the, The place that you are called to function in ministry is first in the body where God has placed you. Minister it to one another. And I want us to understand that if we are not functioning in the gifting that God has given to us, just like if one part of your body suffers, if one part is injured, the whole body is injured. The same is true in the body of Christ. If there is some members of the body that are hurting or, or, or disconnected or, or, or not functioning in the way that God intended, it, it, it hinders the whole body because we are called to minister it to one another. And so we are trying to learn about spiritual gifts and how they operate, ultimately not just so that we can know about them, but so that we can discover the gifts that God has given to us in order that we can deploy those gifts. So the goal of this is that by the end of the series, every one of us would know these are the gifts that God has given to me. This is the way that I I function in the body of Christ. Or we could say it this way, I was made for this. I was made for this. I believe that's God's will for every single person that we would be able to say, I was made for this, fill in the blank. I was made to lead people. I was made to show God's love to people by caring for children. I was made to put order in place. I was made to lead people into the presence of God in worship. I was made to to reveal the beauty of God through artistic design and beautiful works. I was made for this. So that is our goal. And so in order to do that, we are explaining the spiritual gifts. And the Bible gives several listings of spiritual gifts. And uh, we have kind of broken those into three Uh, things that we are calling uh, gift clusters, okay? And so these are not listed in the Bible, but they are just ways for us to understand the various spiritual gifts that God gives. And and we also, just as a review, uh, every gift that God gives is not listed in the Bible. I love the story of Eric Liddell. He was an Olympic runner, and he said this, when I run, or he said, God made me fast, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now, when I run, I don't feel God's pleasure. I don't know about you, but I don't feel God's pleasure. Um, I, but, but Eric Liddell, he felt God's pleasure, and ultimately it was through his running that God propelled him to a platform that he could point people to Jesus. And so anything that you can do that is loving to other people and that is lifting up Jesus, we believe that can be a spiritual gift. That can be something that the Holy Spirit can use. But we want to explain these in these three clusters, gift clusters. The first cluster is the cluster of love. Who likes that 
name. Just feels like it needs like a slow jam soundtrack to it. The cluster of love, doesn't it? The cluster of love. And that, that reveals the love of God uh, through various gifts. We'll talk about those in a minute. The second cluster is the word gifts. The word gifts reveal the will of God through the word of God. The word gifts are all about pointing us in the direction that God is leading us and speaking it out. The gifts like leadership, gifts like prophecy, gifts like exhortation, word gifts, and then power gifts. Power gifts are all about revealing the power of God. And uh, we spoke about that three weeks ago. I know that you guys have just been sitting with your notes incessantly in front of you since then. I know there's no need for me to review that. But just in case uh, you missed your review this morning, there you go. You're back up to speed, okay? So we're talking today about the love gifts, the love gifts. And a few weeks ago, if you weren't here with us, we talked about the gifts of administration, the gift of administration. Anybody here feel like you may have the gift of administration? Some of you, oh, thank you, Lord. More, Lord. Uh, some of you may feel like you have the gift of administration. If you have the gift of administration, you're all about uh, taking things that are in chaos and bringing it into order, right? And somebody said, amen. Come on. And uh, it's all, if you have the gift of administration, you are probably always asking, what's the plan? What's the plan, okay? That's the gift of administration. Then there's also the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality is, is the gift that makes people feel welcome. If the gift of administration says, what's the plan? The gift of hospitality says, welcome home. In the church, it's such all of these gifts are so important, but the gift of hospitality is what makes the church feel like family. The gift of hospitality is greeting people at the door. The gift of hospitality is, is preparing coffee and food for people. The gift of hospitality is uh, planning food for connect groups. The gift of hospitality is looking for people that, that are new or maybe on the outside and welcoming them in. I, I just believe this, that no one should ever sit alone at church. I'm sorry, I know you guys are sitting alone here by yourself, but that's because he's down front. So that means y'all should be down front with him. Okay. Because it's not just about me and God. It's about us together. Amen. And so we need to be hospitable, welcoming other people. And, uh, and then also the gift of helps. The gift of helps is a support gift. that It's like the Swiss army knife of spiritual gifts. Whatever you need, it has. Okay. Uh, if you have the gift of helps, you hate to be inactive. You hate to be uh, on the side while other people are working. If you have the gift of helps, uh, you're the person that has the toolbox in your truck. And you drive a truck because you love to help people move. Right? And if you do not love to help people move, you should not drive a pickup truck. Okay? That is mixed messages. When you drive a pickup truck, you are saying, I have the gift of helps, and I want to help you move. Okay? And so it's the gift of helps. But when that is in functioning in the body of Christ, uh, it, it frees up the other gifts to function in the way that God intends. It frees up other ministries. It's a support ministry. And so today we're going to continue, and we're going to talk about the two gifts remaining of the love gifts, the gift of giving and the gift of mercy. The gift of giving and the gift of mercy. And this comes out of Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. 
Paul says this, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Notice again, he's, he's saying, don't just know about it. You need to take action. You need to put your gifts to use. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. Here it is. He who gives with liberality or with generosity. Not stingy, not withholding, but if you have the gift of giving, you should just be a, what the Bible calls a cheerful giver, a generous giver. You should, you should be open-handed, open-hearted, releasing of the resources that God has given to you. Now, the fact is that every single one of us is called to give. We're all called to be generous. What I told you a few weeks ago is just because you don't have a gift does not excuse you from functioning in that calling. What you do not do by gifting, you are called to do by discipline. And so there are some of us that, that give out of uh, discipline, but then there's others of us that we give out of a gifting. It, we just love to give. We, we live to give. It's just the joy of our hearts to give. What is that? That's a manifestation of the Spirit. That's not just that you have some extra laying around, right? That is God's done a work in your heart and the Holy Spirit is manifesting through you and you're just wanting to give for the purposes of God. And so look at these, this description of the gift of giving. What is the gift of giving? The gift of giving is a God-given ability to cheerfully and sacrificially give above your regular tithes and offerings to advance God's kingdom. Now that's an important part, that advancing God's kingdom. It's not just about giving to people that you like. It's not just about giving to nice charitable causes, although that can be a good thing. Ultimately, the spiritual gifts are about advancing God's work on the earth. And so you see your giving as a highly spiritual thing. If you have the gift of giving, people that have the gift of giving oftentimes have great resources to give out of, not because Having the gift of giving requires you to have a lot of money, but if you have the gift of giving, you recognize that money is deeply spiritual and you recognize the value of finances. And so if you have the gift of giving, you will probably steward the, the resources that God has entrusted to you very diligently, very carefully, thereby growing your resources, right? And so oftentimes the gift of giving, it sees Money as deeply spiritual. Also, if you have the gift of giving, one, one sign of that may be that you set aside money uh, in advance for unexpected needs. Not just for yourself, but to give to other people. We, we're all called to be generous. We're all called to give to people in need. But people that have the gift of giving, they love putting money away so that when there is a need... When, when there's somebody that needs maybe a new car or somebody that has a financial uh, challenge or maybe a new project in the church or missions beyond the church, they just go, man, I am ready. I am ready. Here I am. I, I, I want to flow in my gift, right? And so if you have the gift of generosity, 
you often will set aside money and you'll also receive great joy through giving. It's just the way God has wired you. You may not express worship in some of the other ways that other people do. That's not saying that we should not grow in those things. But you find that giving money towards advancing the kingdom of God is the way that you express your love for God. You just find great joy in doing it. Now, here's one of the challenges with the gift of giving is that we live in a culture that when it comes to finances, it can kind of be like the elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of in church, it's like, don't talk about money, just kind of like put a little thing in the back, and if somebody wants to leave a tip, just drop it, you know, in the back. But don't talk about money. Meanwhile, all of us spend like all week long, not just out volunteering at charitable organizations, we are working for money, right? We are using our life to get money. And so, The idea that money is something that we should not talk about ultimately hinders this gift of giving from being released in the church because no one wants to talk about what you give or that you have the gift of giving. Now let me bring that into another context. Kendall has a great gift of leading worship. She's got a great voice. She's got a great sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. But can you imagine if we said, We don't want anybody feeling uncomfortable that Kendall leads worship and that she has a better voice than anyone. And so we're going to actually put her in the back room singing anonymously. Now, that may be great. We may be able to worship. But how many of you know if no one else could ever see someone functioning in that gift, they will never know how to function in it themselves. If we told teachers, people with the gift of teaching, well, you can't read any commentaries and you can't listen to any other Bible teachers because that needs to be secret. How many of you know it would be a struggle to flow in that gifting, right? And so one of the challenges that we face in this gift of giving is that we often do not want to celebrate the gift of giving. But the Bible is totally opposite of that. Oftentimes, People are taking out of context Jesus' teaching on giving to the poor in, the, um, in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, uh, do, not let, do not do your giving to be seen by men. But he also says, don't pray to be seen by men as well. Nate was up here just blatantly praying today. Can you believe that? And I was sitting there and I was like, Nate, you should not be praying up there because that makes me feel uncomfortable. No, can you, but bring that into this area of generosity. The Bible celebrates the gift of giving. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, the Bible just lists the names of people that were bringing in resources and laying it down at the apostles' feet. Barnabas, we talk about him in terms of encouragement, but the Bible says that he sold his property and he went and he gave it towards the mission of God through the church. The scripture is filled with stories of people that are what has been called gospel patrons. Gospel patrons, people that, that recognize it is their God-given calling to resource the kingdom of God financially. Lydia, in Acts chapter 16, was a businesswoman, the first European convert, and she worked in the fashion industry. The Bible says that she was a seller of purple. 
That was an expensive color, so if we brought that into today's terms, she was in European high fashion, okay? And she got saved, and when she got saved, she opened up her home, and the Bible says that, that the church began to meet in her home, that people were staying in her home. Evidently, she had a big enough house to have a lot of people stay in it. And the Bible records that. The Bible also records Aquila and Priscilla in Acts chapter 18 that were a part of the Apostle Paul's ministry team. And they were business people working along with Paul, but they also opened up their home and had the church meeting in their home. Historians say that that was probably not just like a small group meeting in their home, but they probably had a large room. In other words, they had resources and means, not just for their own enjoyment, but they were a blessing to the church through their giving. The Bible records that. History is filled with examples of people, not necessarily preachers, not necessarily worship leaders, but people that God used through their giving. Anybody ever heard of Nicholas von Zinzendorf? Nobody here. Okay, he's famous for um, he's famous for launching the modern missions movement really out of his ministry. But he was not a pastor. He was not a bishop. He was not clergy, so to speak. He was actually a, a wealthy landowner that welcomed refugees onto his property. And out of that group of refugees, there was a prayer meeting that began and ultimately launched this uh, missions movement that has changed the face of missions in the world, not through his preaching, but through his giving. Humphrey Monmouth, another name that you probably don't know, but he was a, a British, um, he worked in textiles in the 1700s, or I'm sorry, in the 1500s in England, and he met a man named William Tyndale. Anybody ever heard that name before? William Tyndale was a pastor who had a vision to see the scriptures translated into English. Up until that point, the Bible had never been translated into the English language. And William Tyndale wanted to see people in the English-speaking world uh, reading the scripture in their own language. And Humphrey Monmouth was a wealthy businessman, and when he heard William Tyndale's vision, he said, I want to fund that. And so Humphrey Monmouth funded William Tyndale during the whole time that he was translating the scripture. And today, many of us have an English Bible laying in our laps that is the direct result of a person's generosity that was because someone recognized that the way they were going to advance God's purpose on the earth, they may never preach out of the scripture, but they could translate the scripture for others to preach out of. Today, the face of the world has been changed because of one man's generosity. I could go on and tell you the stories of other people who, through their generosity, God used them to advance his kingdom in the world. But here's what I want you to understand is that oftentimes behind a move of God, and I would almost say every time behind a move of God, there is someone whose generosity has paved the way for the purpose of God to be fulfilled. Somebody has paid for a church to be built. Somebody has paid for a ministry to be started. Somebody has paid for a missionary to go across the world. And we may never know their name, but God knows their name. 
God knows their name. And so we need to understand the value of this gift, the value of the gift of giving. Now, if you have the gift of giving, uh, a danger that you can fall into is that through your giving, you can try to begin to control the work of God. Just as, just as uh, Barnabas gave generously in Acts chapter 4, just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 8, a guy named Simon the sorcerer got saved and he saw the Holy Spirit poured out on the people. And do you remember what he said? He said, I, I, I want to buy what you have. Barnabas laid the money down, no strings attached, but Simon was wanting to appear generous, but it was with strings attached. And if you have the gift of giving, a danger, if you, if you are not functioning in the spirit, but you're functioning in the flesh, is that you could, just as any gift has a weakness or a danger, you could use your gift to try to control people or control the work of God by giving with strings attached. And so we have to be aware of that, that when we give, we are trusting God to fulfill his purpose through our giving. And so if we have the gift of giving, we need to avoid that danger, but we also need to develop our gift. How do you develop the gift? Well, I believe one way is studying the people that I've just been talking about, meditating on what the Bible says about generosity, the scriptures about giving, recognizing that this is not an unspiritual thing this is a spiritual thing, and that God has called you to be a giver. It is the ministry that you are flowing in, and as such, you should do everything you can to, as the scripture says, it's the, the Lord that gives man the ability to get wealth so that he might establish his covenant in the earth. And so you should steward the resources that God has given you. Don't say, well, one day when I'm a millionaire, then I'll function in the gift that God has given to me. Begin to function in the place that God has put you now. Be faithful with what God has given to you now and trust that he will increase it for the future. And so we need to be faithful with it. But how about the rest of us that don't have the gift of giving? If you don't have the gift of giving, does that go, well, uh, Dine and ditch for me. No, that's not what we do. In fact, the Bible's clear. Every one of us has the responsibility out of the grace of God in our hearts to be generous to other people. So we all have the responsibility, and not just generous to other people, but specifically to the work of God, specifically to the church that God has called us to, to be faithful. The Bible says in the book of Malachi to bring the tithes in the storehouse that there might be food in my house. And so every one of us, the, the, the Scripture tells us in the Old Testament and New that we have the responsibility to be generous. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. How many of you want your barns to be filled with plenty? Me? Poverty is a spiritual gift, too. We'll pray. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but notice that it says, 
honor the Lord so that your, your barns will be filled with plenty. There is a cause and effect relationship. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says it this way. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one, everyone, give as he purposes in his heart. So the gift of giving is a beautiful gift that God wants to manifest in our lives. And specifically, some of you, maybe even hearing that, you, you say, I want the gift of giving. Perhaps you resonate with that and you say, you know, I didn't know that that's what it was. I just thought I wanted to, to, to excel in business so that I could be a blessing. I didn't know it was a gift that I had. But Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. In a few minutes as we close, we're going to invite those of you that have that gift or want that gift, as Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We're going to invite you to come forward. We're going to pray over you just as we prayed over our eldership team. Not up here. We'll pray with you over there, okay? But I want to talk very quickly on the gift of mercy. What's the gift of mercy? What's the gift of mercy? Mercy is the God-given ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for those who are suffering from physical, mental, and emotional problems. A God-given ability to empathize with people. Now, some of you have this gift, and some of us don't. You, you know what I'm saying? Some of you, some of us have other gifts that somebody's talking to us about their problems, and you're going, Jesus, give me mercy, give me mercy, give me mercy. And then there's other people that you've got that gift, and you see somebody in need. How do you know if you have the gift of mercy? When everybody else is running away, you're running to the problem. There are some of you that, that as your career, you're a nurse, you're a first responder, you're a police officer. That may be a manifestation of the gift of mercy. You want to help people in need. And we need, within the church, we need the gift of mercy to be released. We need people that have the gift of mercy that when someone else is going through a difficult circumstance, that you can pray with them. Now, a leader can pray with them, but a leader is going to pray, God, get them out of this problem. It's somewhat self-inflicted, uh, but God, we pray you get them out of it because you've got a vision and a purpose for their life, right? Forgive, forgive them for their laziness and get them out of it, right? But somebody that has mercy, how many of you know, when you're in that, you want somebody with a gift of mercy to pray for you. And so we need people that have the gift of mercy. Also in counseling, there's some of you that you just love to listen to people's problems. Not me, but some of you love to listen to people's problems. That is a gift. If you constantly find people coming and talking to you, sharing their needs, sharing their problems, you may have the gift of mercy. Now, the danger in the gift of mercy is that you, you live your life perpetually in rescue 911 mode. You are always responding to crisis moments, and you become disconnected from the larger vision and the larger mission. It's all about meeting the needs. It, perhaps you've heard somebody say something like this about the church. The church shouldn't have a building. The church shouldn't have property. The church should just sell everything and give their money to the poor. What is that? That's a gift of mercy that is dysfunctional. dysfunctional. It, it, yes, that is valuable to care for the poor, to love the poor, but that's not all that God has called us to. God's also called us to teach the Bible, to disciple people, to worship, to pray. And so mercy is a part of that, but there's a bigger mission. And so we need to make sure that we are not uh, if you have the gift of mercy, falling into that rescue 911, constantly responding to crisis mode. How do you develop 
the gift of mercy. I believe one of the most important ways is just studying the scripture. Getting God's heart for the needs of others. Studying what the Bible says about the character and the nature of God. Also, I believe if you have the gift of mercy, you need to connect with other ministries in the church and beyond. If you've got the gift of mercy, God wants to use you in that. But if you just try to go out and and be the hands and feet of Jesus all by yourself, you are going to quickly find yourself exhausted. If you go, I, I have a heart for caring for the, the poor, caring for homeless. That's a beautiful thing. But if you just try to go do it all on your own, you're going to wear yourself out. There's some great ministries, great organizations that you should partner with. And so you need to connect with other ministries. And then you also need to develop a strategy. Again, don't just live in crisis management mode, but you need to develop the plan. That means that you need to connect with some people with the gift of administration, the gift of leadership, okay? We need each other. So how do we live with that discipline? If God, if you do not have the gift of mercy, we need to maintain a heart of compassion. Maintain a heart of compassion. Just listen to the stories of people that are in need, I love what Jackie Pullinger says. Maybe you're familiar with her. She was a a missionary to Hong Kong, to the walled city in Hong Kong. 60,000 people living in just a few square acres, tenement housing, 10 stories tall, makeshift housing run by the triad gangs, filled with drugs. And God called her from a comfortable life in England to go to serve among them as a missionary And here's what Jackie Pullinger said. Worship team, you guys can come back up. She didn't say that. That's me. She said, God has called us to have soft hearts and hard feet. But many of us have hard hearts and soft feet. God's called us to be tender-hearted to the, the needy, to the poor, It doesn't mean that we're all going to function in the same way. To those that are hurting, he's called us to have a a soft heart and to have hard feet. But many of us have hard hearts and soft feet. We don't respond to God's calling for our lives. Every one of us is called to uh, to be merciful. Aren't you thankful that God is merciful to you? If you look at people and you say, well, they deserve the situation that they're in. Let me tell you this. You've forgotten the gospel. If your default posture is to point fingers at other people that are broken and hurting, doesn't mean that we don't challenge them and lead them and help them. But if your default posture is a hard heart, you've forgotten the gospel. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 3. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. God has a plan and a purpose for every single human. Every single person bears the image of God, and we're called to love them, to care for them, to meet needs. In closing, I'll get you all, if you would, just to stand up to your feet. We're going to have a few minutes of prayer. 
The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. This just summarizes this whole, these gifts, or God's heart for these gifts. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Paul has just been speaking about our sin, our our need for God, that we were outsiders, that we were uh, away from God. But then he says this in Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, I'm so glad for that, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ by grace, You have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. As Paul says in another place, that though we were poor, though he was rich for our sake, He became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. Paul says here that God is rich in mercy. Anybody thankful for God's mercy? Aren't you thankful that God doesn't give you what you deserve? Amen? And so today we're going to pray over those that have, maybe you have a stirring in your heart for these gifts. I really want to make this a significant moment because I don't believe this is just kind of a, nice, now I lay me down to sleep in the service prayer moment. I believe God wants to release gifts into your heart and life. Paul told Timothy to fan in the flame the gift of God that was in him that he received through the laying on of hands. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team, our eldership team, just to move to both sides of the auditorium down at the front. On both sides, we have communion elements And we're going to just take a few minutes, five minutes or so. And I want to invite you, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to once again remember the love of God. Remember the riches of his grace towards you, that, that your primary posture before God is not a giver, but you're a receiver. You are a receiver of his grace, of his love, of his mercy, everything you have is a gift from him and also that he has given us mercy when we did not deserve it. So we're going to receive communion. On both sides, there's communion elements and I want to invite you to receive the communion elements. Prayer team, you guys may want to just come in so we don't block the uh, the elements. But if you have, if you have that gift, if you have that desire for that gift, we want to pray for you. We want to bless that gift. If you say, "I I feel like I may have the gift of giving, or I may have the gift of mercy. I want you to come down to respond. Or maybe you have one of the other love gifts, administration, hospitality, or helps. You've not received prayer yet. We want to pray for every single one of you to bless the gift of God within you and to fan that into flame. So, Father, we pray now, Lord, that as we come around your table, as we take this moment, God, to meditate on your grace, the good news that, You have saved us. You have bankrupted heaven through Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would begin to manifest these gifts. Lord, we pray that the gift of giving would be manifest in people. 
Release the gift of giving, I pray. God, I pray that people would sense that kingdom vision and kingdom purpose to resource the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord, that people would begin to see the the, the gift of mercy at work in their lives. In Jesus' name. Right now, let's go ahead and respond. Worship team, if you'd lead us. We're just going to take a a few minutes. If you have that gift, I want to encourage you. Don't stay where you're at. Don't stay where you're at. If you have that gift in your heart or any of the gifts and you've not been prayed for, we're going to keep doing this every every week as we're in this series. But get out from where you're at. Come down here. And uh, even if you don't have that gift, come down, receive communion, and let's give the Lord thanks.